Uh, that's true. I, I tell you that, if we meant that last song, it'd make a difference, wouldn't it? You know, God, may you be glorified in my home. May you be glorified in my life. May the way I live my life bring you glory. Uh, may the way that our, my family, may it bring you glory. And may the way that we do things at Maple Grove bring you glory. Maple Grove, who are we? Who, 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 who? Uh, did you know that album came out in uh, 1978? Uh, who are we? Who are you? Um, from the who? You know, Maple Grove, who are we? Who, 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 who? How would you answer that question this morning? Uh, let me tell you how, how Jesus would. Familiar passages, and, uh, but as C.S. Lewis said you know, so well that uh, we don't so often need to be taught new truths but be reminded of old truths. And to the question of you know, who are we, Jesus would say, well, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can it be made salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify, we just sang about that, glorify your Father in heaven. Paul writes in Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and aliens to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, I, I believe God has a, a word he, he wants to speak to each and every one of us today. You know, I, I mentioned yesterday at Saturday Morning Live that, you know, uh, that people coming on a beautiful Saturday for three hours, you know, if they were just coming there for me, it really wasn't worth it. You know, and, and the th I have nothing personally to offer anybody to give up three hours on a Saturday, right? You know, it uh, can be kind of intimidating, but guess what? God's worth it. And, and you know what? Every morning I stand up here on Sundays and preach and with confidence that, you know, that God is worth it. God is worth our time. God is worth our effort. And I stand confident today because God's word is living and active that if we, you and I open our hearts to God, we will, we will hear his voice this morning. He wants to talk to us, and something huge, something transforming can begin to take place in our lives. And so we're going to pray together, and, and we do that, right? One of our, uh, our second core value is we depend on God, and, and we definitely don't want to go into this time without crying out to him. And, and we like to pray palms open, symbolic. You know, you know, to say, hey, God, my hands are open and so is my heart and my mind, ready to receive from you, take your truth and bring it into my life. God, we love you and we stand in awe of a God like you who would love finite, fall, frailing, fragile people like us. 
And God, I pray that this morning your word would come with power, Lord. I, I pray that our hearts are open to your truth. And, and God, that because of what happens in here, that, uh, that, that we're different. And because we're different, your world can be different. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, move in a fresh way. And God, may, may we, may, may I have confidence in your word, in, in your living and enduring word today, in Jesus' name, amen. 2,000 years ago, Peter, uh, you know the guy who literally left everything in order to follow Jesus. Peter, the guy who, who was there front and center, center stage, when, when Jesus did all that insane things we saw him doing this week in Mark's chapter 1 and 2, and our faith comes from hearing. I mean, Peter was right there seeing with his own eyes as Jesus cast out demons, as Jesus cured a, a man with leprosy, as Jesus healed many people, as Jesus even healed his mother-in-law, as Jesus healed the paralyzed guy, guy who was lowered through the roof by his friends. G Peter was right there, and he heard Jesus teach in a way it was such power and, and such authority. He saw everything with his own eyes. Imagine what that was like. Now, 2,000 years ago, Peter, you know, the, the guy who walked on water, the guy who made that great confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, the, the guy who, who, who preached boldly to thousands of the day of Pentecost, telling them, Convicting the multitude gathered that day to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, the guy who, who loved Jesus so much and who loved the church so much that he literally died for both, crucified upside down. 2,000 years ago, Peter, a, a man who had a, a knowledge about and, and, and access to and a relationship with Jesus that is unparalleled in human history, grabbed a pen and paper and wrote a letter of living hope uh, to men, women, and children scattered through what is now known as Turkey who were suffering greatly at the hands of the Roman Empire and who were finding it hard to hang on and under the weight of their current circumstances. A letter that contained God-breathed words that every Jesus follower needs to hear. And you know what? I I'm convinced that, that if, if Peter were here today, you know, if we could beam him here, right, into this room, that, that he would look each of us in the eye. I mean, imagine Peter doing this. Imagine that fisherman doing this. And he would say to each of us, look us right in the eye and says, God, the, Ray, God the Father chose you. God the Son died for you. And God the Spirit lives in you. And, and because of God's great mercy, Helen, you, you have an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade away. You, you have the power of the star-breathing God protecting you. You, you. you have been filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the salvation of your soul. I mean, I really believe Peter would look us in the eye and say that because of God's great mercy, uh, uh, we have as um, Bob and and Mark shared last week, and they did such a great job. Because of God's great mercy, we have a new identity. Once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. People who have been brought out of darkness into his wonderful light. People who are building our lives on Christ, a solid, sure, eternal, living, and enduring cornerstone. People called and empowered to be like and live like him. 
people called to be holy, to swim upstream. Yeah, no doubt about it. Peter would look us in the eye and say, man, I, are you as pumped up as I am about being the people of God? And, and then Pete would say, and because of all this, now you have an incredible opportunity, which brings us to where the word will take us this morning. Maybe we'll go this morning, June the 1st, day 151 of the year 2014, which, by the way, means you still have 214 days left to get it right. We'll begin looking at a, a section of, of, of Scripture, of 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, through 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, that I'm calling, Somebody's Watching Us. And the theme verse for this section in 1 Peter 2 is 1 Peter 2, verse 12, where Peter says to me and to you, live such good lives. Live what? Live such good lives among the pagans, among your unbelieving neighbors, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I understand what Peter's telling us exiles on a mission for Christ in a world that is not our home is that somebody, somebody's watching us. And remember, as our Savior King says, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Uh, We are like stars shining in the universe as we live out the word of life. And listen, whether, whether people like it or not, salt and light have a way of attracting attention, don't they? I mean, have you ever said something like this? This needs more salt. This has too much salt. Hey, who turned the light off? Who turned the light on? Somebody's watching us. Tell the person sitting next to you, somebody's watching you. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I always feel like somebody's watching me. Feel like somebody's I always feel like. He's watching us, the unbelieving world. And why are they watching? Because they're hungry, because they're thirsty, because they're made in God's image, created to live in a relationship with him, and because they know there's got to be more than this. And so they're watching us uh, to see if our, if our walk matches our talk, to see if there's an alignment between uh, what we say and what we do. The world is watching us. They're watching you. They're watching me. They're watching Maple Grove, and they are wondering, do we make a difference? Do we, do we hold out hope? Uh, do we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we feed the hungry? Do we clothe the poor? Uh, do, do we take care of the less fortunate? Do we administer first aid to wounded souls? Do we do CPR on broken hearts? Do we, do we give without agendas? Do we, do we serve gladly with the joy of the master? Do we walk in integrity? Are we clothed with humility? Do we live out what we claim to believe? Uh, do we leak at the seems with an inexpressible, glorious, and contagious joy? Do we, do we love the unlovely? Do we love our families? Do we love each other? Uh, they're watching us to see, uh, do we love our God? Do we love them? Bottom line, they're watching us to see if we are for real. 
Maple Grove, somebody's watching us, and, and what they see, and make, make no mistake about it, they will see. In your notes, go ahead and circle those three words, they will see. They will see. Uh, now, the word translated see is from a Greek word that means to look upon, to, to be an eyewitness of, to observe intently. I always feel like somebody's watching me because they are. Understand, the world sees our light, the world notices our salt, the world is watching us, and what they see when they look at us has the potential, has the power to move them to believe in God, to surrender their lives to God, to come back home to the Father. Uh, uh, Peter says, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Understand the point that God wants each of us to get this morning, I mean, it's, it's why he brought us here, is that since people are watching us, and understand they have been, they are, and they always will be, there's nothing we can do about it, therefore we need to use this as an opportunity to influence them, right, to believe in God, to accept his message, to come to his son, to receive his forgiveness so that they will not have to face a Christless eternity, and nothing brings God more glory than that. Get it? Good. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us doesn't matter how we live. Does it matter how you live? Does it matter how I live? Does it matter what the unbelieving world sees as they watch us? Answer, more than we know. Paul said this to Timothy, Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. He said, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Why? Because if you do, you'll what? You'll save yourself and those listening to you. Somebody's watching us. And in this God-breathed section of 1 Peter, uh, again, you know, 1 Peter 2, verse 11, through 1 Peter 3, verse 22, we're going to see that, that the world is watching us to see how we handle sin and temptation. Uh, they're watching us to see how we react to authority. They're watching us to see how we behave in our marriages. They're watching us to see how we respond to suffering. They're watching us to see how we deal with conflict. And they're watching us to see where we placed our hope. And this morning, we're going to just tackle the first one which is the world is watching us to, uh, to see how we handle sin and temptation. Again, the way that you and I live our faith outside these four walls can either advance or severely hinder the spread of the gospel. In fact, the way we, we live out our faith can all actually cause people to reject and not even consider the message of Christ or his church even to begin with. In his book called The Unstoppable Force, Daring to Become the church God had in mind, author Ernie McManus makes this quote right here. Here's what he says. It's in your notes. The diminishing influence of the American church and American society is not simply because fewer people are going to church, but fewer people are going to church because of the diminishing influence of Christ on the church itself. Ouch. We accuse them of not being willing to surrender to God. They accuse us of not knowing him. People are rejecting Christ because of the church. Once we're called Christians by an unbelieving world, and now we call ourselves Christians, and the world calls us what? Hypocrites. 
Yeah, it stings a little, doesn't it? But listen, I'm confident because of the power of the word of God that beginning today, June 1st, 2014, that God, through the words of his servant Peter, is going to begin reversing that flow at his church that meets at 3210 Prophet Road. Understand, Peter, during the next few weeks, is going to show us how we can turn the reality that we're already being watched into an incredible opportunity to lead people back to the Father. Amen? Amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it could happen? Absolutely. And sure, the unbelieving world, they, 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 they want to accuse us of doing wrong and call us hypocrites and hate mongers and unloving. However, as they see the way the Jesus followers at the grove live out their lives, as they see the way us, we in this room handle sin and temptation, as they see the way that, that we react to authority, the way that, that you and I behave in our marriages, the, the way that, that you and I respond to suffering, the way that you and I deal with conflict, as they see where you and I put our hope, they will say, now, I, I don't agree with a lot that these people believe or say, but I'll tell you what, those people at Maple Grove are living some pretty good and some pretty pretty awesome lives. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And then the second part of our text is a few verses down. It's beautiful. He personally carried our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be, no, he personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You've been healed by his wounds. Once you were wandering like sheep, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the overseers of your souls. Okay, let's do this. If we want to overcome sin and temptation, anybody want to want to do that? Anybody here struggles? Am I the only sinner in the room? No, I see a room full of sinners. Let me tell you. All right. Um, as a way to warm up, tell the person to your right or left your your your, your most ugly sin you committed recently. Just go ahead and do that. We'll, we'll get started. <laughs> the first thing we need to do to overcome sin and temptation is we need to remember who we are. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sexual sins. Now, that word, dear friends, is actually, it's a form of the word agape, and really it could be translated as beloved. Loved by who? Loved by Peter and loved by God the Father who chose you, God the Son who died for you, and God the Spirit who lives in you. Beloved, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires. Uh, now, this is the third time in this letter that, that Peter has told these guys that, hey, you know what? You're not of this world. Uh, your citizenship is somewhere else. This world is not your home. He, t- he said this in, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 17, and right here. Maple Grove, this world is not our home. I'm just what? I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through open heaven doors, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Now, I haven't traveled much, but I've been to a few other countries, Portugal, England, Mexico, China, Bangladesh, and West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I got to tell you, it's pretty obvious to the locals that I was not from any of those places. It was also obvious to me that I was not from any of those places. In England, they drive on the wrong side of the road. I literally crossed the street. I almost got hit by a car every time to the side. I'm just looking both ways because I always looked the wrong way and almost got hit. In China and Bangladesh, they use what's called a squatty potty. Check it out. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> In Mexico, um, they didn't flush the toilet paper, and you had this nice little wastebasket next to you with yours and your friend's toilet paper. Now, if you were to watch me today, I, I, I tell you, you're not going to find me driving on the left side of the road. You're not going to find me using a squatty potty. And I'm proud to say that I flushed every single piece of toilet paper I used this morning down the toilet. All right? Amen. You proud of me? And I washed my hands, I think. <laughs> I thought about it, at least. And listen, if we're to overcome sin and temptation, we must remember who we are. We are people loved by God. We are citizens of another kingdom. We are God's people, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And listen, since we're only visitors to this world, we're, we're not to adopt the customs of the world. We're not to adopt the lifestyle of this world. Instead, the way we live our lives is supposed to be different. I urge you, you know, that's Peter, I urge you, you know, as, but, but he says, he doesn't say, I urge you, and because of who I am, do this. No, I urge you, and because of who you are, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. And that, that word abstain means to keep, to keep it a far distant from. When Jesus said, you know, they praise with my lips and their hearts are far from me, it's that same word. By the way, that's what Moses told God's people in Deuteronomy 18. When you enter the land your Lord, the Lord your God has given you, be very careful not, we got to be careful, don't we? It's so easy, isn't it? Isn't it easy to slip into it? Be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. And it's what Paul told us in Romans 6, you're not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the people of this world, they live by a different pattern. And because of this pattern, our world does not keep away from evil desires. Instead, they embrace them, feed them, and are controlled by them. Paul paints a, a, a pretty graphic picture of how people live when they don't abstain, when they don't keep a far distance from evil desires and instead embrace them. He says this. It's in the Bible. When you follow desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual morality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasures, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, wow, what a list, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and, it, and everything else. <laughs> he said, don't. Even if it's not on the list, why? Well, it's not on your list, Paul. Let me tell you again, as I told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that's how the natives of this world live. But again, we're from a different place. Have you ever heard the expression, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? I think Peter would say it a little differently. When in Rome, don't do as Romans do, because you're not from Rome, right? You're not from Rome. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. I, I love how the Message Bible words it in 1 Peter 2.11. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. 
How cozy are you in the world? How, how, how cozy is the world with you? I mean, do we fit in? Do we blend right in? Do we do the same things that the world does? Do we look like we're a citizen from that place? And listen, if our answers leaned a little bit towards the cozy blending in side, then Peter might want to say to us the same thing he said a little further down in this letter. He said this, you spent enough time in the past doing the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their morality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. He says, all right, you spent enough time there to overcome sin and temptation. We need to remember who we are. We are foreigners and exiles. We are not citizens here. And number two, we need to remember who sin is. And listen, sin is not our friend. Sin is our enemy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which do what? Wage war against your soul. If you're taking notes, circle that. Understand, friends don't wage war against your soul. Enemies do. And that word there for war means a military campaign, right? Because we know uh, we can win one battle, right? But guess what? Another one's coming, right? Uh, the, the war will continue until we, we leave this planet. Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Uh, I understand, regardless of how much we want to, regardless of how much we want to do it, and let's be honest, we do want to do it. Regardless of how good it feels and how much fun it is, sin is not our friend. Sin is not our Sin is our enemy. Sin is waging war, and its target is our very own soul. You see, both God and Satan are concerned about our soul. Now, God's goal is the salvation of our souls, a salvation that that gives us life and that fills us with a glorious and inexpressible joy, whereas our enemy's goal is the opposite. His goal is the destruction of our soul which fills us with fear, doubt, sin, shame, hopelessness, destruction, and death. James put it this way. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to to death. Temptations come from what? The lure of our own evil desires. Understand, the real battle My real battle and your real battle is not with the people around us, but with the passions within us, okay? Our our real battle is not with the people around us, it's with the passions within us. The great preacher D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man that I know. Amen? Amen. Again, temptation comes from the, the lore of our own evil desires, and these evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death spiritual death, separation from God. That's what death is, right? Physical death is separation of our body from our spirit. Spiritual death is separation of our spirit from God. And spiritual death's a big deal, right? And don't listen to the, the first lie spoken, right? In Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 4, when the devil said about disobeying God, uh, you won't die. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. 
Maple Grove, sin is our enemy, and it's waging war on our soul. Guys, I wish it wasn't true, but we were born into a war zone, a, a, a war that began uh, when Christ defeated Satan on the cross. You know, Revelation 12, 17 tells us that since he couldn't, Revelation 12, 17, you can look it up, but since Satan couldn't defeat Christ, he has literally waged war on the church and on Christians. He's waged war. John Eldridge, one of my favorite quotes, the story of your life is a story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. He's waging war on your soul. That's why I said we need to listen to his voice, right? Even now, right? Other voices want to speak to us, even as we're sitting here, right? Yeah. Listen to his voice. Listen to God's voice. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and aliens to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And here's the problem. Some of us, rather than keeping our distance from evil desires, we embrace them, we run to them, we feed them, we water them, and we wonder why they're so big and have such a strong control over us. Now, Jesus tried to warn us about that in John chapter 8 when he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is what? Is a slave to sin. And listen, we got to understand that temptation and sin do not tell us what they're up to when we first meet them. I mean, they don't shake our hand, hand us a business card, and say, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Sin. This is my associate temptation, and we're here to mess up your life. We're here to destroy you. They don't work that way. Instead, they're cunning and sometimes quiet and unassuming. But as Peter said, they're still very dangerous. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If we really want to defeat and overcome sin and temptation, we have to remember who we are. We're God's people. We're foreigners and exiles. We don't belong here. We belong somewhere else. We're children of God. And we got to remember, hey, sin's not my friend. Sometimes I like him. He's not my friend. He's after my soul. And then we need to remember, what, what, what is our purpose? Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What's our purpose as Jesus followers? Here's the way I chose to word it this week. Our purpose as Jesus followers is to live such good lives that we bring glory to God and draw lost people back to him. That's it. That we live such good lives. That I live such a good life that when people see that, it brings glory to God and it draws them to him. Sounds a little bit like what Jesus said, right? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, our purpose as Jesus followers is to live lives that declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, our purpose as Jesus' followers is to live such good lives that we bring glory to God and draw lost people back to him. Now, unfortunately, we all know that the lives that many Christians live actually do the opposite. And they don't lead people 
to glorify or surrender to God. Instead, they drive them away. You know, I've never forgotten the quote that is at the beginning of a song by DC Talk called, I know I'm dating myself, right, with that. What if I stumble? What if I fall? Here's a quote. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. But you know what? That statement does not bum me out like it used to. You know why? Because the opposite's also true. I understand one of the greatest causes for people surrendering their lives to Christ is Jesus followers. It's Jesus followers who, who live out their faith in such a real, such a loving, such a compassionate, authentic way that it gives lost people a vision for life that takes their breath away and they simply cannot resist it. Overcome temptation sin, we need to remember who we are. Remember who sin is. Remember our purpose. Maybe girl, somebody's watching you, right? We'll watch you all week long. They'll watch you when we leave here, right? When you go to the restaurant, when you go to Kroger, when you drive down the road, right? Even when we walk in these hallways. But there's something else I need to tell you as we get ready to wrap up, but that's a, that's a preacher get ready, so don't get too excited. I still got a 12 minutes on the clock. And it's so good. See, not only is somebody watching us, but somebody is watching over us. Remember Peter wrote this. He personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You've been healed by his wounds once you were wandering like lost sheep. And that ain't a lot of fun, is it? But now you've turned to your shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Wow. Amen. Who's watching over us? God, the shepherd of our souls. Which brings us to the final thing we need to do if we want to handle sin and temptation in a way that moves people of this world to return to God. And that's this. Rely on his grace and his spirit. Paper Grove, we must rely on his grace. Question, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Understand, we will never, understand, we will never overcome sin and temptation on our own power. Never. You can't. God can. He personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross. You have been healed by his wounds. We've been forgiven. The word forgiven, the Bible means to release something, right? God has released us. We must rely on his grace. There's a song that uh, uh, we've sung a few times, even in this service as well, um, by Christian Stanfield, this grace on which I stand. There's a line in there that just, oh, man, I love it. Here's the line in the song. And when I see his face, the only claim I make, uh, the only claim I'll make is this grace on which I stand. I'm not going to go up there and say, God, look what I did. I was a preacher. I memorized scripture. I didn't do all these bad things. I overcome that sin. No. The only claim I'll make is his grace on which I stand. 
Yes, it's his blood, not ours, that covers our sin, past, present, and future. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. A, a few weeks ago, a, a picture should jump on the screen here. The youth did something really awesome down there. Uh, Laurie had the kids write on a, a card the sins they're really struggling with, and they, you know, uh, they, the, it's all over here. You know, written on here, all the sins, they, a lot of them were duplicates, right? We have some of the same struggles, right? And, 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 and as they're worshiping God, they, you know, uh, she took red paint and she covered it up and said, now, he, he does it. We, we, it's his blood, not ours. You know, we do not save ourselves. Isaiah 43, 25, we read it this week. And her faith comes from hearing. I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake, not because you're good, not because you didn't do a bunch of bad things, but for my own sake, because I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm merciful, I'm full of grace, and I'll never think of them again. And then she had them, you know, and I did it too. And I, I got some red markers back there if you want to do it later. I, I, just the X. Remind me, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but Jesus' blood. I'm free. He paid my debt. If I'm a Jesus follower, he paid my debt. And if I sin, I confess my sin, I repent, and, and he forgives me. I don't have to earn it. You know, I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. All those nasty sins up there have been covered by the blood of Jesus. He personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross. You have been healed by his wounds, not yours. We must rely on grace to overcome sin and temptation. And we must rely on his spirit. If we're ever going to live above and beyond sin, and notice he said, he said he personally carried away our sins so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. He personally carried away our sins so we can what? So we can be dead to sin. To be dead means non-responsive, right? Dead people don't do a lot of stuff. They just don't. They do. It's kind of freaky, right? And, and, and you know, like it, it, we know what dead is, right? I, I'm dead to country music, right? Don't really like it. Yeah, I, I'm dead to certain kinds of food. I mean, you could bring it by me. It's like eh, I don't care. I'm very alive to chocolate, you know. And, you know, I'm very responsive to chocolate, right? So we know what it is to be dead to something. And he says, you know, see, God's plan all along when Jesus came was to save us from our sins, to release us from our debt, to fill us with the Spirit, so that we can. Become dead to sin, non-responsive, right? Non-responsive to sin. That was his plan all along to enable us so that we can live the right way. We can live for what is right. His plan all along, he talked about it in Ezekiel. I mean, we read that all the time, right? It's got some crazy stuff in there, but it's got some stuff that's not crazy. Talking about when Jesus comes and what he's going to do for us through the gospel. And I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees 
and be careful to obey my regulations. I'll put my spirit in you so that you will. Peter said, so we can. We can be dead to sin. That's his plan. We can. We can. On my own power, no stinking way. On his power, absolutely possible. Paul said, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. Even right now, even in your ups and your downs. Why? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Say what? I'm going to read that again. That's like, that's like, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Well, God, I can't do it. There's no way I can live the life you want me to. It's just too hard. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Here's the deal. Living this such good life, you know, living these such good lives, and I know it sounds kind of awkward, but I want to take Peter's exact words. Living these such good lives is not about what? It's not about trying harder. It's about leaning further into his grace and spirit. It's not about, you're not going to do it about trying harder. But it's about leaning further. Let, let me tell you something. God's grace is deeper than you would ever imagine. It, 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 it is bottomless. Lean further into his grace that washes away your sins. And lean further into his spirit that empowers you to do the things and live the life that he's called you to live. It's about living this such good life. It's about living as children, not living as slaves, right? We don't have to live as slaves. We get to live as children of God. It's about, and it's hard for us, right? It's about through the blood of Christ accepting our acceptance. And some of you who are Jesus followers, you know, he's saying to you today, isn't it time to accept your acceptance? Isn't it time to allow my blood? Yeah, I know those sins are nasty. And I know you said you wouldn't, but you did again. But isn't my grace still sufficient? Isn't it time to accept my acceptance? Isn't it time to let the power of my blood set you free and time for you and I to live from our acceptance and not live for our acceptance. And it's time for us to allow his power and his spirit to change us. We don't do it. Don't really know how it works exactly. Kind of like our lives are like a sailboat on a lake, right? You know, and all we do, we just put up the sails, right? We, you, you can't create the wind. But we can put our boat in the water, and we can raise the sails. You know, and, and, and where does this happen? You know, we've come to, we come back to it quite frequently. You know, it, you know how, how do I lean further into this grace on which I stand? You know, how do I do that? And how do I lean further into the power 
that is in me, the same power that rose Christ from the dead. How do I do that? And again, remember we talked many, many times. It's it's not always about the how. It's about the, the where. See, I know where it happens. Jesus said, right, it's that connection thing. It really is. You know, everything, Maple Grove, everything. Everything in your life, right, flows out of your connection with the one true God. And because Jesus Christ, you're allowed to have that connection. Oh, my goodness, are you stinking kidding me? Frail, falling, finite Steve Malone can connect with the God of the universe, you know, and have his power in my life to enable me to live the life that he wanted me to live. Wow. You just got to spend time with God. You know, and I do encourage you, if you don't have a regular Bible reading plan, that's why I do Faith Comes From Hearing. Man, I read such great stuff this week. Like, are you kidding me? Hope this morning that you listen to his voice. I'm going to read two scriptures, and, and then we're going to stand. But just read the Peter one again. Just let this sink in as I read it. He personally carried away our sins. And in your mind, you could, I'm going to read, I'm going to make it personal for me. He personally carried away my sin in his own body on the cross so that I can be dead to sin and live for what is right. I have been healed by his wounds. Once I was wandering like a lost sheep, but now I have turned to my shepherd, the overseer of my soul and then this last one here because i i think peter would like really kick my butt if i talked about forgiveness and didn't offer the opportunity for someone who maybe not has not made that decision to accept it you know maple grove our number one core values we honor biblical authority and peter that that fisherman you know who loved god and loved jesus preached an incredible message about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And, and, and he had a pretty big response. They were like, oh my goodness, Peter, what shall I do with this sin and temptation? He goes, ah, God's got an answer. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're here today, you've never done that. You believe in who he is, you repent it, but you've never been buried with him in baptism, you know, man, you know, I just encourage you, why wait, right? Why wait? It's right there. What a stinking deal, right? Are you, like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I just repent and say I want to live for God and not for myself, and I'm buried in water, you know, symbolizing Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, and, and, and that, you, that, that I'm released from my sins, and, and that the Spirit Right? You know, I access your grace and the spirit that empowers me to live the life I can't live on my own, that you put this inside of me? The guy goes, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. And 3,000 people make that decision today. So we're going to, that day, and we're going to sing a song, and you know, maybe you'll come and talk to me. You want to do it. Talk to some of the leaders. You know, the water's always warm. And even, if it wasn't, even if it wasn't, that's still okay. You know, you, know, you may not have thought you are going to do it today, but here's the deal. If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you believe in him and you want to live for him, um, you know, I urge you, I urge you, don't leave without doing it. You know, I think the word speaks for itself. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we love you so much. 
And God, we need your grace so much, and it is deeper than we could ever imagine. As that one song, Oh How He Loves, says, if grace were an ocean, we'd all be sinking. What a place to sink. What, what, what a place to drown in your amazing grace. And God, I, God, I pray that, that we, as Jesus falls in this room, God, you know, you know, realize people are watching us and that if we remember who we are and that sin is our enemy and that our purpose is to live lives that draw people to you, if we rely on your grace and your spirit, that we can live lives that draw people to you and, and bring them home to you. And, and God, I pray for those who need to make a decision that yeah, they'll just listen to your voice and respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen.